Check, check one, check one, 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 check one, two. Good morning, Murray Hill. We're so glad that you have decided to come and join us this morning here in this place. And those of you who have joined us online, we're glad to have you too. Let's all stand together and let's worship our Lord and Savior.
so much for being here. If you're joining us this morning, you can go ahead and have a seat. If you're joining us online, congratulations on not having to drive through the rain and the muck and all of that kind of stuff. Excellent. Uh, glad to, to see that you didn't have to uh, experience that process. So excited that you've joined us here uh, this morning here at Murray Hill. want to let you know about uh, a couple things that we've got going on, some of our um, continuing things. So there are lots of different ways that you can participate with us in giving. Uh, if you are here in the building, we've got the baskets available as you enter and exit. You can drop um, uh, offering in there. Uh, if you're online or you prefer online giving, you can text GIVE uh, to the number that you see on the screen there. You can also mail in any funds to 4300 Post Street or access our website at give.murrayhill.church. Uh, we also have online Small groups that you can join and participate with us as uh, you get connected uh, to the body of Christ and see what it is uh, that we do here as a church and how we participate, have both uh, on-site small groups and also online small groups. Um, if you have missed all of the advertising, uh, today is Father's Day. Um, and so there is a unique way uh, that uh, advertising occurs for Father's Day uh, as someone uh, who is predominantly uh, a vegetarian, um, all of the advertisements for like the gigantic tomahawk 
steaks with like the bones out and you're going to stick it on the grill and like, like eat it caveman style. Um, that's not necessarily like what gets me uh, and advertising and everything like that. You know, sometimes I, I want to be uh, a big man, you know, and, and not be emotional. And then like Publix has those commercials and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so uh, what, whatever it is for you, I think uh, the one thing that I know that, that binds us all together, men, women, mothers, fathers, singles, married, is dad jokes. So this morning, um, with the help of uh, Doug, uh, I'm going to give you uh, some dad jokes this morning. So um, I stole these from Channel 4 News, so if you watch the news this morning, don't holler out uh, what, what we've got going on. So um, why do we know that melons always throw the best weddings? Because they can't elope. Thank you. Thank you. Please save all, all your booze. Uh, boo, uh, booze for the end. Booze for the end. This one, my Emily and James were not uh, big fans of that one. Uh, they didn't know what eloping was. So this is, this is Emily's dad joke that I'm telling on her behalf. Why do we go to bed at night? Because the bed doesn't come to us. There you go. Hey, the booze, you got to save the booze for the end. Why do you always know the scarecrow is going to come in first place? Because he's outstanding in his field. All right, all right, last one, I promise. Um, why, yeah. <laughs> why, why do we know that Saturday and Sunday are the strongest days? Because Monday through Friday are weekdays. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So uh, thanks, thanks so much for letting me either uh, improve or ruin uh, your, your Sunday morning. So uh, I, I do want to do wanna acknowledge that, you know, uh, uh, for many of us, Father Day, Father's Day is awesome because we had a great dad. Um, you know, who maybe is still with us, or we have uh, great memories about them, and, and they did an awesome job modeling uh, what a godly father is like. And, and for others, Father's Day stinks, you know, because it, it reminds us what um, a terrible experience or what difficult experiences we had uh, with our father. And, and through that, oftentimes, uh, as, we, as we move towards making the decision to follow Christ, hearing God referred to as a father sometimes can be a difficult thing uh, when we had those tough experiences uh, with an earthly father here. Um, you know, it might be your, your first year uh, or first Father's Day without your dad. Uh, might be your 51st Father's Day without your dad uh, and not something that ever gets easier, but just something that we learn uh, to deal with and process with. So uh, I'm going to spend just a moment here in prayer. Uh, and then we'll continue worshiping together. Um, and I just want to remind you that this morning, regardless of what your experience was or is uh, with an earthly father, um, that we have the heavenly father that gets it right every time, that loves us unconditionally, uh, and offers us the opportunity to be a part of his family. God, we come this morning being reminded of your love being reminded 
of the fact that you continually open up your arms, that you continually offer us opportunities to be connected, to join the family, and that you don't look and judge based on the past because of the sacrifice of Christ. And, and I ask this morning that you help us to see ourselves as you see us. I ask this morning that, that regardless of, of what our experience was with the Heavenly Father, regardless of what our experience was with an earthly father, that you remind us that as the heavenly father, you get it right. Your forgiveness, your peace, the grace that you offer us is ever present. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting. Father God, we just thank you this morning that no matter what happens in our day-to-day -day lives, whether we meet with great success or whether we meet with failure, whether we meet with happiness or disappointment, that the central point in all of history is the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and that because of that, no matter what our circumstance, we have victory. Father, we thank you for your provision for us and providing a way. Your word says that, that you give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Father, we hold on to that today. As many of us are walking in the wilderness. So, Lord, we just thank you. 
and we praise you that you made a way for each of us.
Father, as we come before you, we are so amazingly grateful that you made a way, that you made a way for us to be right with you. We thank you so much that you determined that our souls were more important than your, your son's life. I thank you for forgiveness, for grace, for mercy. thank you that we get to be yours. Uh, Father, I pray for this time. I pray that we would honor you. I pray that uh, your spirit would show up at every seat in this room, that our hearts would be open to you, and today would be transformational for us. And it's in that wonderful and precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So Jay, you know the etymology of the word vegetarian. It, it is... It is an old Native American word for bad hunter <laughs> who tells bad jokes. <laughs> happy Father's Day to you. If you're in the room or you're watching, happy Father's Day to you. I want to say happy Father's Day to my dad who's watching in Texas. And uh, I want to tell dad thank you for all the wisdom that you shared with me throughout the years. Phrases like, the good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Never really understood that. We never had a creek, but now it makes a little more sense. Um, and then you always used to say, we shall see what we shall see. You were right. But then also thank you that no matter what went on, no matter where I was hurting, if I sprained my ankle or if I hurt my arm or my shoulder or if I had a broken heart, you said put ice on it. That was always the solution. And so... Thank you, Dad. I love you, Dad, and hope you have a great day. Uh, enjoy the cookies that I sent you. Um, so, we are, it is Father's Day, and today I want to talk about a, a biblical father that had a tough run. And part of the reason he had a tough run was by his own bad choices. Um, but I, I want us to learn from him uh, a couple of very important things about our spiritual journey in general that I think we need to hold on to. All right, so there's a lot of background story here. So give me a few minutes, bear with me on this, because the background is very, very important. All right, King David had multiple wives, and from those multiple wives had multiple children. All right, he had a son named Amnon. There'll be a quiz at the end. He had a son named Amnon who fell in love with his half-sister named Tamar to the point that he was obsessed by her. So he was convinced by his cousin Jonadab that what he ought to do is take her for himself regardless of what she thinks, which he ultimately did. He tricked her and he raped her. Well, it turns out Tamar had a big brother named Absalom. Absalom was not happy. But for two years, Absalom did nothing. But two years later, when Amnon's guard was down, Absalom killed his half-brother. Now, Absalom was the one who was supposed to be king after David, uh, but because he committed this murder, he fled. He went into exile. Well, eventually, 
through circumstances that were unusual, uh, David brought Absalom back to the kingdom and eventually back into the palace. Well, it turned out that really what Absalom wanted was David's job, so he began to interact with the people. He'd go out by the city gate, and before they could get to David to ask for his help, he would stop them and say, listen, my dad's too busy to deal with you, but I'm not. And he'd give them a hug, and he'd tell them, how can I help you? And he would fix their problems for them. And over time, what happened was, the scripture says, he won over the Jewish people. He won over the Israelites to the point that they wanted him to be king. So Absalom went to David. He said, hey, I want to go to a certain place and worship. Uh, can I go do that? And, and David said, sure, go worship. And what he was doing was going to get his army to come and kill his own dad. So David found out about it, and he fled with his people, and they, they went off, and they went into hiding and, and then got their army together for this big civil war between Absalom and David. And David wanted to go to battle, but his people said, no, all he's trying to do is kill you to take your spot. You stay here. And so they had the battle. Absalom was running away, or he was on a chariot riding away, and he had really long, beautiful hair. Scripture says he was a beautiful man from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. But he had this long, flowing hair, and it got stuck in a tree. And the chariot went on, and he was hanging in the tree by his hair, and he couldn't get out. David's general came, Joab and killed Absalom in the tree. Okay? So, this is where the story picks up. Remember, the background of this is that Absalom was doing everything to overthrow his own father. Right? And David gets the news about his son's death. So we are in 2 Samuel. We're going to start in chapter 18, verse 31, and we'll go through 19.8. Page 320, if you're using the Pew Bible in the room. 2 Samuel, chapter 18, verse 31. Then the Cushite, who's, who's a messenger, arrived and said, My lord the king, hear the good news. The lord has vindicated you today by delivering you from the hand of all who rose up against you. The king asked the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? Asking about his son. The Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up to harm, harm you be like that young man. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Joab was told the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom and for the whole, and for the whole army. The victory that day was turned into mourning because on that day the troops heard it said, the king is grieving for his son. The men stole into the city that day as men steal in who are ashamed when they flee from battle. The king covered his face and cried aloud, Oh, my son Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went into the house to the king and said, Today you have humiliated all your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and, and concubines. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come on you from your youth till now. So the king got up and took his seat in the gateway. When the men were told the king is sitting in the gateway, they all came before him. 
Meanwhile, the Israelites, that's the opposing army, had fled to their homes. So a couple of things here, and, and I want us to look at David in two ways today. I want us to look at him as a dad, and I want us to look at him as a sinner. As a dad, it's unbelievable the response that he had. In fact, if you look at verse 33 in chapter 18, it says the king was shaken. The Hebrew there is very specific that from inside he was shaking physically. He was so distraught that his son had been killed. His son, who had rebelled against him, whose son wanted to take over the kingdom from his own dad, who wanted to kill his own father. He was so distraught by his son's death, the one that turned against him, that he was shaking internally to the point it shook him externally. And he was crying and he was weeping uncontrollably for this son who rebelled. Now we look at that and, and you, 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 it's hard to imagine. And, and I try to, to think about what kind of circumstances would be like this today. And it would be like if, if someone was an adult child who was taking care of their parents' finances and stole all their money. That's how dramatic it would be. And it's so difficult and to have a, a child, I've seen so many families go through it, a child who rebels so purposefully. Solomon said it this way, I think it's funny, in Proverbs 17. He said, to have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy for the parent of a godless fool. And man, David had every reason to hate his son. He had every reason to be disconnected from him. He had every reason to rejoice that his son was dead, but he just could not. His heart was so incredibly broken because this son who rebelled against him had died. And you know, it's amazing to watch time and time again, parents who are betrayed by their children, they keep loving their children and they just can't help it. Just can't help it. And David was so intensely loving of his son that he was shaking all over his body. You see, I, I want us to understand that that's the kind of love God has for us. A love that makes absolutely no sense. Makes zero sense. It's a love that says, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter the mistakes you've made, I still love you. Do you realize that God will never love you more than he loves you right now? And do you realize he'll never love you less than he loves you right now? No matter what happens, no matter what choices you make, no matter how horrible they are, he still loves, and he loves when it is completely illogical. It makes no sense for him to love us the way he does. And that's why David loved his son. I'm reminded of the, the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son, and it's such a, a clear description on this side of, of grace to, to see what Jesus said. Jesus talked about a man who had two sons. And the youngest son came to his dad and said, I want my inheritance now. Now, for a Jewish person listening to that, that was, that was totally bizarre. Because he wouldn't have got that much inheritance anyway, but that he would actually receive it from his Jewish father was unheard of. But in the story that Jesus told, he, he gave his part of the inheritance to his son, and his son went off, and Jesus said he spent it on wild living. 
It didn't work. He spent it on partying. He spent it on friends. And, and as long as he had money, he had a great time and lots of friends. But then the money ran out. He spent it all. And he found himself without any money, and so he had to go to work. And the only job this Jewish boy could find was feeding pigs. The absolute worst job a Jewish boy could have. Pigs are unclean. He did not want to to be around the pigs. It would make him unclean. And so it says in the story Jesus, Jesus told that he began to look at the food the pigs were eating, and it was appetizing. And then one day he came to a census. And he said, you know, my, my dad has servants that eat better than I do. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to tell dad I, I'm, I was wrong. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have done what I've done, and, and I just want to be a servant. I don't want to be a son anymore, just a servant. I don't deserve to be a son. And Jesus told the story. He said that while the son was still a long way off, the father ran to him and embraced him and put it, had, a, had his servants put a new robe on him, and he threw a big party celebrating the fact that his son, who was once dead, is now alive. See, Jesus told that about us. We run away from God. We disobey him. We, we choose things that are against his will and contrary to who he'd have us to be, but yet somehow, some way, he allows us to find forgiveness and grace and love. And the love that David had for Absalom is a, is a love that is unexplainable. It doesn't make any sense. And, and the love that God has for you and has for me is, is unbelievable. It doesn't make any sense. And it is such a precious gift that God loves me anyway. He loves me anyway. Now, here's the problem, though. Sometimes we like the story to stop there. Yes, it's true, God will always love us, but, but here how, here's how it gets translated for many who follow Christ. I can do whatever I want to because God has to forgive me. I can live however I choose to live because God has to forgive me. I hear it on campus all the time. I get so aggravated with pastors, I don't know. So what are you teaching? Yes, it's true. He will love you the same no matter what you do. But the truth is, that's not the calling. That is not the calling. You see, there's a flip side to David's story. We, we talked about David as dad. But now we need to see David as sinner. You see, the truth is, David was in this situation with Absalom by his own choice. By mistakes that he made. By disobeying the laws of the land. You see, when his son Amnon raped his, his, his daughter, really one of two things were supposed to happen. Either Amnon was going to be forced to marry his half-sister, and I know that sounds bizarre in our world, and forced to take care of her for the rest of her life, or he was going to be put to death. And what the Scripture says is David was furious, but then he doesn't do anything. He doesn't follow the law. So Absalom, he has this fury inside of him that is so great and so deep, he, he acts for two years like nothing happened. Until one day he has a big banquet with all the king's sons, and in front of the rest of the king's sons, he kills Amnon. And then he flees. 
Now, what David was supposed to do was one of two things. He was either supposed to leave him on the run and not mess with him or to bring him back and have him stand trial. That's what he was supposed to do. But he didn't. Joab, the one who ended up killing Absalom, came to him and said, hey, you need to go get your son. They tricked him, really. He said, okay, he can come back, but he can't see my face. He has to stay away from me. And over time, they convinced him, you need to let, let Absalom back into the palace and let him be your son, and you need to forgive him. And David went along with it. But see, what was supposed to happen is Absalom was supposed to stand trial. But for some reason, David thought that he and his family were above the law of everybody else. He was, after all, king. And he knew what was right, but he chose not to do it. And it took time for him to give in to the things that were wrong. But he, he finally gave in, and then Absalom went nuts and tried to take the kingdom from his own dad. And the reality is, is that David's choices finally caught up with him. One of the things that we have to understand one of the things we have to never, ever forget, when we choose to live contrary to God's calling in our life, when we choose to live contrary to who he's called us to be, remember Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments? We're called to a life of obedience. When we don't live that way, it will catch up to us. It will catch up to us. There are consequences for our decisions. There are consequences for what we do. When we decide to go a different way than God calls us to, then we are choosing to probably leave peace and leave joy and leave contentment. But then there are also many times ramifications for our lives today. I'm reminded of the story that I've told you before, but it's, it's just a powerful illustration of a, a, a couple who had a son who didn't obey anything they wanted him to do. You may have had a son like that or known of a son like that, but no matter what they did, he always went against the plan. By the time he was 10, it was just constant decision after decision after decision until finally the dad said, okay, I've done everything I know to do. I've got one more idea. So he went to the backyard and he put a fence post in the middle of the yard and he set it up so that it wouldn't fall over. And he went to his son and he said, okay, here's the deal. Every time you do something wrong, you're going to go and nail a nail halfway into this post. Well, at first that sounded like fun. Let's do some bad stuff. He starts putting nails halfway through. This is really exciting. And it just kept happening over and over, five, ten nails a day. And to the point where he was running out of space to put the nails. And he came and said, Dad, I don't have any place to put nails. You figure it out. He kept picking the nails in there. One day he woke up, and he was overwhelmed with the reality of the number of nails. He looked at the post, and he was overcome with this guilt. He said, I don't like this. So he went to his dad and said, Dad, I, I'm so sorry for the way I've been. An awfully young man to do that. He said, I, I want to take the nails out of the post. He said, here's what I'll do. Every time you obey, every time you do what you're supposed to do, you can take a nail out. 
And his life turned around. He began doing all the right stuff. And every good thing that he did, he would take a nail out. And, and time and time again, until finally the day came when he got to take out the last nail. He was so excited. He took out that last nail and he stepped back. And he became incredibly sad. Because every nail either left a hole or sometimes they would leave a divot. And he went to his dad and said, Dad, I took all the nails out, but look at the post. It looks horrible. And his dad, great teaching moment, said, Son, every decision you make in your life has consequences. And I forgive you, but even when you have forgiveness, your decisions have consequences. See, I, I think it's real important for us to see that David knew the right stuff. He knew what he was supposed to do with his boys, but he chose not to do it. And because of that, there were consequences. And I think we, we have to realize in, in a world where sin is okay, that we have to step back and we have to say, you know what? There are consequences to this. And sure, it's probably not going to be as dramatic as a son trying to take over your kingdom. But it may cost you joy. It may cost you peace. It may cost you the connection with God that has been so strong at times. And I want you to be careful to hear me say what I'm really saying. I'm not telling you to go and try to be good. I'm telling you to go and love Jesus and live an obedient life as you love him. You see, sometimes we hear this and we think, okay, I gotta go straighten all this stuff out. No, go connect to the king. He'll straighten it out. But we're called to that obedience. We're called to a life of following him. See, here's the thing that David did. David decided that his boys were more important than the people. He decided his boys were more important than the people. And what's amazing is that's exactly the opposite of what God did. He decided the people were more important than his son. And he gave his son for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the story, and I thank you for what we learned from it. And Father, I thank you that it is so true that your love for us does not change. And truthfully, it doesn't make any sense. It's completely illogical that you would love us in spite of ourselves but I thank you that it's true. And Father, I'm, I'm so grateful that you decided that we were more important than Jesus' life. So Father, I pray if there's anyone here today that does not know you, that today they'd say yes to you that you would draw them to yourselves and they would say yes to a life forgiven 
to a life of joy. To a life of love. Lord, I, I pray that for those of us who are on this journey and we've been making bad choices, that today we would choose to run back to you full speed. And that we would live a life of obedience that brings you honor and glory. So Lord, bless this time and make it everything you want it to be. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So like I said, David decided that his boys were more important than the people. To the point when you read the story that his army went home as if they were defeated. Because before the battle started, when you read the story, David asked him, please don't kill my son. But his army knew that was the only way for this to end. And so they, they came home defeated because David thought his son was more important than the people. But God, in his perfect love for us, decided that our souls were more important than Jesus' life. See, we all have this problem. We're separated from God because of sin and the choices that we make. But, but God didn't want to leave us in that state, so he sent Jesus and had him sacrifice his life for us. He was crucified and buried and came back to life. The resurrection that will be ours one day for those of us who follow him. And so if you're here today or you're watching and you've never asked Jesus into your life as your forgiver and leader, we invite you to make that decision today. Most important decision you'll ever make. Because God decided that you were more important than his son's life. And that gift of grace is available to you. And so today, if you'd like to know how to become a follower of Jesus, if you're in the room when we sing, I invite you to come to the Welcome Center. Let's talk about faith and what that means and what it looks like. If you're online, you can text us or, or email us. And we'll respond to you. But don't put off the most important decision you'll ever make in your whole life. Maybe you're here watching and God has put on your heart that you need to be a part of this community of faith. I invite you when we're done, if you're in the room, to come by the Welcome Center. Let's talk about that and what that means. If you're online, same thing. Text us, email us, let us know. We'll follow up with you. Or maybe today you're challenged, as I was this week, to reconsider the things in my life that I do. ask, is this really pleasing to the king, to my king? Does this really bring him glory? Maybe it's time to reconnect with the king, to live a life of obedience. This morning, I want to encourage you to respond as you feel led as we stand and worship together.
soul.